And welcome back to No Filler, the music podcast dedicated to sharing the often overlooked hidden gems that fill the space between the singles on our favorite records. My name is Travis. I got my brother Quentin with me today, as always. And it's just you and me, Q. You and I. The two of us together. Just the two of us. As it always has been since uh, the womb. We've always been together. And you know what's been there for a good chunk of that time, dude? Gloria Estefan. Gloria Estefan. Indeed. You know what, dude? Maybe dad played some Gloria... You know, put the little speakers up to to mom's tummy tums. Maybe we heard her in the womb, dude. This album came out in 1987, Q. Well, Let It Loose came out in 1987, June. Yeah, man. So, yes, there was a a little, at least a a month, a solid month where we could have been exposed uh, by by way of headphone to pregnant belly. I mean, think about it, man. If... Dad was already a fan of Gloria Estefan. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. He had to get his hands on that copy, you know? Just came out. Yeah, that's true. I bet he was blaring it all the time. That's true. But based on our conversation with him, I bet you he wasn't a fan yet because he said that he was turned on to to Gloria by the radio singles. And I bet you this was the album where she really exploded. Oh, yeah. And we'll, we'll get into that. Yeah, so we don't have our father on this episode, but this is a continuation of our episodes devoted to to diving in a little bit deeper into the music that our dad listened to when we were growing up. So this is music that, that we were exposed to, right? And I think that's, like, I always like to go back to these, these records, especially, we did Gino Vanelli a couple weeks back. I think... Somebody like uh, like Gwen Stefani, <laughs> Gwen Stefani. What the fuck? <laughs> uh, <laughs> Gloria Estefan. Yeah. If you take a a Gino Vanelli and a Gwen Stefani, God damn, why are you saying Gwen Stefani? <laughs> because it's it starts with the same Estefan letter, and then Estefan Stefani. Yeah. yeah, dude. When you take a Gino Vanelli and a Gloria Estefan, and you mix that in with the the majority of like classic rock stuff that we were exposed to you know what i mean like most of most of it was zeppelin van halen aerosmith right dire straits which is boston but then you throw in a gloria estefan or a gina vanelli or a steely dan for that matter or a seal or a shot a or a shot a yeah it's no wonder that we we appreciate such a wide range of music right so yeah with gloria estefan we're introduced to the more, I feel like this was the most 80s sounding female artist that we were exposed to, if that makes sense. Because we didn't hear Madonna in our household. We didn't hear Cindy Lauper or anything like that. But we did hear some Gloria Estefan. And she definitely sort of uh, taps into the into the sound of the 80s. The 80s pop groups. Yeah. 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 Exactly. So anyway, we are just going to talk about... A few tracks off of, and you know, IQ, we need to say their names because they're an important part of this this act. Yes. Her backing group, which, and we can talk about all that here in a second, but Miami Sound Machine. So this is, you know, all of the musical instruments that go into a Gloria Estefan record that's by this group called the Miami Sound Machine. Yeah. So let's talk about this. Gloria Estefan joins Miami Sound Machine back in the 70s. So they were a group before she was a lead singer. They used to go by Miami Latin Boys <laughs> hmm. uh, before becoming the Miami Sound Machine in 77. So one of the members of the band, his name is Emilio Estefan, Jr., that is, and uh, he later marries Gloria. So the story goes that in 75, he was called in to advise some high school musicians. So I guess he's like a, I don't know, trained musician. So he was like a teacher or something. Uh, One of the high school kids was Gloria. A few weeks later, him and the Miami Latin boys were playing. They had a gig at a wedding and he invited Gloria as a guest to the wedding and remembered, you know, that she had a 
really great voice and asked her up on stage to to sing a few songs with him. And the rest is history. So she joins the band as the lead singer right from the from the get-go. You know, it makes sense that she would become the face of the band, you know what I mean? Because you're the singer, so you're you are the face of the band. Yeah, and she was writing the songs too. Yeah. I don't know about all the songs, but she wrote a lot of them herself too. So this reminds me, and we 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 talked about this on our Sade episode, but this reminds me of kind of a it was a similar kind of story with Sade. Um, yeah, I'm just I'm uh, reminding myself by looking at the Wikipedia page here, Q, but. Yeah, what was the name of the band that that she was in? Pride. The band was called Pride. That's right. But it wasn't that, you know, she sang with Pride and then Pride became Sade. She, 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 yeah, she did backup singing with them. Yeah. But then the saxophone player, Stuart Matthewman. Right. Did, they, him and Sade wrote songs together and would do these little mini sets before Pride played. Yep. And blew everyone away. At their gigs, yeah, and yeah. then her and uh, Stewart broke off and formed the band Shade, yeah, with with some other people. So, so yeah, not exactly the same, but very yeah, similar. In very that, similar in that you know, Shade goes on to be crazy successful. She brings right. along Stewart for the ride. Gloria makes Miami Sound Machine a household name, basically. Um, so. By 76, she's in the band, and apparently they played just a ton of parties, weddings, bar mitzvahs, anything they could they could get their hands on. Played for about five or six years, basically just as a local band in Miami. Being a uh, Latin group, they had songs in both Spanish and English, so uh, you know they were attractive to, to both the English and the Spanish-speaking uh, people in, in Florida. And their first recording was actually a small local label. Their first recording actually it had English songs on one side, Spanish on the other. I thought that was kind of cool. That is cool. Yeah. So yeah. So so they're just kind of you know not really making it big. They're they're staying local. You know they're not going on any tours. And so then we jump to about mid eighties. Um, something kind of changes in their um, songwriting and the way they approach their music. I'm going to let Emilio and Gloria uh, speak and kind of talk about what changed. This is an interview from around 1988. One night we was playing in, in Holland. No, thousands of people were there. Mm-hmm. We played like three English tunes and then everybody wanted more and more and more. So we didn't have nothing else. So I asked Gloria, I said, I think we should go with the list. Let's play conga. And I you know. said, you're crazy. And then he, he said, well, I said, it's in Spanish. He said, they don't understand English either. They speak Dutch. I go, yeah. that's true. <laughs> so we, we went ahead and we did conga. We got a bigger reaction than we did with the hit, which was Dr. Beat. So we're standing around and I say to our drummer, you know, we should write an original conga because these are all like sold. We should write an original tune based on this rhythm, but at the same time, give it that mix that we have with the dance beat that uh, the United States is used to hearing and do it in English so that everybody can understand because in these countries, they release you in English. So uh, Kiki, our drummer, wrote that song on the way from London, from uh, Amsterdam to London on the plane. And when he played it for us, playing on the tray table and singing, I, I said, that song's a hit. So that's cool, man. So they were at a gig. They ran out of English songs to play. And so then they just start playing a traditional conga beat and this was even this was before the Gloria Estefan song Conga was even written, and the reaction from the audience made them think, "Huh, this is like we're onto something." With like their dance beats mixed with that traditional like Cuban conga music. Yeah, that's cool. I mean, you know, music is is universal, right? I mean, even if you don't know the words, like you're gonna react and and move to the to the beat. You know, yeah, dude. So and that's, that so that that clip cool. kind of faded out with a little bit of the song Conga, uh, which she was talking about that they they decided to write an original Conga song with their dance beat flair to it. So yeah, Q, I definitely remember hearing Conga as a kid, 
and other songs off of Let It Loose, like One, Two, Three. I've talked about that before. So Congo, yeah, and Congo was on Primitive Love. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, but I think the I think the 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 our exposure to Congo was probably from that VHS tape that Dad had recorded of a concert that 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 uh, that they did. Yeah, it was recorded from TV because that was a thing that yeah. It was more popular back then, and <laughs> that was a thing that we did back in the day. Was you would put a, v, a blank VHS tape in, and you would record and commercials dude, and all. What I loved about that, yeah, dude, you get the commercials, man. That's how YouTube is filled with commercials from from that era, probably because people just you know would rip them off of their old VHS tapes, you know. Yeah. Yep. But uh, yeah, um, and I remember Conga, and I remember a lot of stuff off of Let It Loose, which was like. Rhythm is going to get you one, two, three. I remember Bad Boy, which was another one off of Primitive. All those songs were were part of that that set list. Yeah, yeah. But we were familiar with the singles is the point I'm trying to make. So, yeah, w- when we were doing research for this episode, there's some really interesting and cool things that they did uh, on the tracks between the singles, as we like to say around here. Yeah. So yeah, let's let's play one that 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 really jumped out to me for a lot of reasons, and we'll talk about it after we play it. But but yeah, let's let's go back to Primitive Love. So this was their ninth studio album, but their second English language record. Yeah. This is after they realized, like, oh, we've got an audience um, yeah. in both you know the Latin world and the English world. Like, people are eating this up. Yeah. And I mean, there's no, it's no surprise, dude. Miami Sound Machine is such an awesome band. Right, right. And their mix of those conga beats with, uh, you know, heavy 80s kind of dance synthy stuff is, is really cool. Yeah. But yeah, it's also worth mentioning that this is, this is still a record that does not have her name on it. As in like, this was just when they were, when they went by Miami, Miami Sound Machine. Right. So the song that we're going to play here is called movies. Dude, what a fun song, man! Yeah, man. Uh, it's got some some heavy like B fifty twos vibes. So here, I'm gonna name three artists that that jumped out to me or that came to mind when I heard this for the first time, which was this afternoon. Um, Oingo Boingo. Mm-hmm. Yep, totally. Talking Heads. Yep, I thought that too, man. Absolutely. And and Peter Gabriel. Yeah, dude. It, like I thought of that that. You know, and when you think about the time that this came out, '85, like Oingo Boingo, I think had had came out with um, with Weird Science by then. Now, same year, Dead Man's Party came out in 1985, and that's when uh, they were doing Weird Science, which I think had a similar, you know, it was like the weird kind of when you when you listen to this mo- this movie's track, like they've got that weird that dude with a weird voice that kind of just says his line, yeah, like in the middle of the song, the yeah, lights, dude. camera, action. All that kind of fun stuff. So yeah, let's read the lyrics real quick here. Make pretend like in the movies and do another take in the dark. Please, baby, please, baby, please. Maybe you can be like Brando and give me your tango lines. Squeeze, baby, squeeze, baby, squeeze. <laughs> okay, I'm getting turned on over here, dude. <laughs> so think about what they're, I think it's just thinking like, hey, why don't you direct me? 
you know. Oh yeah. Like I'm in one of your movies. Damn. Where we're in the movies, you you be the director, and uh, you know I'll give you a performance you won't forget. That's spicy, I mean, man. You know what? I wish we were, I wish we were still uh, doing promos for AdamandEve.com. I know, dude. Perfect. Shit. <laughs> Writes itself. There's even a song on Let It Loose called Love Toy. Ah. Oh. Damn it, man. If only we were still doing That's all right. adamandeve.com. You just gave him a free, a free shout yeah. out. Yeah, I know. That's all right. Yeah. Anyway. So, um, yeah. They're, like, what I love about this album and uh, Let It Loose is, like, this is just quintessential 80s pop sound, you know? Like, in yes. all the right ways. It's cheesy, but I fucking love that it's cheesy, you know? There's just something about the 80s you know that that uh the sound of the 80s for for whatever reason is just so how do you describe it q innocent i mean is that stupid to say that i mean playful it, it, yeah really uh whimsical not whimsical but just kind of yeah just fun it just it there's a lot of fun in the sound of the 80s yeah the 80s pop sound at least um and yeah, like you said, this was just kind of a, a quintessential. They're, they're, you know, when you listen to their early, early stuff, there's no way they sounded like this, right? So obviously, no. when they're like, "Hey, let's start making some records that we can push to the the American market," yeah, I mean, they 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 are clearly tapping into that sound, and that's why we're able to list off all these artists that that we are kind of reminded of here. You know, yeah, that's not a coincidence, right? I mean. Obviously, they're doing that on purpose, but it's it's cool to hear it through their lens, you know, like with their horn section and stuff like that, and all the cool stuff that they did. It is cool too that that their um, you know conga beat heavy songs also made it onto the charts. Um, so again, that song conga came out in '84 on Eyes of Innocence. By 1985, it became the only single in history to appear on Billboard's pop, Latin, black, and dance charts simultaneously. So that song was everywhere. That's insane. Yeah. Four different uh, Billboard charts. It made it on every single one of them. Yeah, that's awesome. So cool. Dude, let me just read this last lyric here, Q. Direct me. Do anything to me. Come on, we'll make up some lines. I mean, dude, I got to take a break real quick. <laughs> Whew. This flower is wilt. <laughs> but no, um, I was going to say also that this sound, I feel like, you know, you can hear it in, in modern bands for sure. Like I can hear a band like Mr. Twin Sister yeah. doing a song like this. I mean, yeah, they have dude. done songs, you know. Eric Cardona, which is one of the members of the band, he'll play a saxophone. Oh, he'll dude. bust out a saxophone. You know what? I just re- I was just reminded of a band, and I almost want to play a little bit of it because this song is so awesome, man. Do it. Um, oh, what's the name of the the band? Are they? Oh wait, wait, wait. I got it. I got it. I got it. All right, dude. So, it's a band by the name of The Power Station. Some like it hot, dude. Well, when did some like it hot come come out? When did that come out? Eighty five, same year. Yeah, it's all coming together, dude. It's the sweaty dance club vibes. All of these songs that we're talking about now, 
Weird Science, uh, Some Like It Hot. All of these bands probably saw the success that Conga had. Yeah. And, I, and I'm just pulling this straight out of my, my butt. <laughs> sure. But yeah, man, you might be right. You know, it's such a crossover hit. It makes you wonder if... And now, let's not even speculate, because I could be way off. Well, but hey, but, let's let's bring up the fact that, you know, the... I mean, what, what do you call it? The Latin explosion? That's happened yeah. a few times in, yes. in music history, dude. In the 90s, what was it? Yeah, 90s, I wanted late, to talk about that. Late 90s, early 2000s, we had... Uh, Shakira was everywhere. Ricky Martin. Yes. Uh, Ricky Martin, Enrique Iglesias. Yeah. Like we, we were teenagers uh, when that happened. What was that? Like, uh, let's find out. That must have been late 90s, early 2000s, right? I feel like it had to be around that time. Yeah. Yeah. 99. We remember that for sure. Yeah, man. Um, and dude, I just did a quick search. I mean, it seems like every 20 years or so, a Spanish, mostly Spanish song like makes it big la bamba richie valence la la bamba 1959 dude <laughs> mm. and then despacito you know that song right yeah yeah i do that's a newer one right 2017 that reaches the the billboard hot 100 so yeah man it, it there's major love for that latin sound man well i'm reading right here q that gloria estefan is one of the most successful crossover performers to date in Latin music. So yeah, it may, perhaps it all started with her. It's very possible. That's cool. Um, yeah. So anyway, let's jump on to our next song here. So I want to say one last thing, conga related. Um, and this, this is something that happened in the same year that let it loose came out. So by the time let it loose comes out, they're touring, you know, massive stadiums, you know, thousands of people are going to their shows. Uh, during a concert of theirs in 87 in Burlington, Iowa, more than 11,000 people attended and they all followed the beat of the band, creating the world's longest conga line. And they made it in the Guinness Book of World Records. That's really cool. Proof in the Guinness Book of World Records, just how huge Gloria Estefan and Miami Sound Machine was. So that was a, obviously a mega massive hit. Um we remember the Macarena. Remember that? <laughs> How can you forget? Yeah. <laughs> that's another that's another one, dude. Yeah. But with the Macarena, <laughs> that wasn't like a pop song, was it? I mean wasn't it just some like I mean that that was a uh dance like steps to a dance song. But is it but what I want to know, did the Macarena hit the Billboard Top one hundred? Are you looking it up, dude? Let's find out. What it's ranked as the number one greatest one-hit wonder of all time by VH1 oh, wow. in 2002. Number seven on Billboard's Top 100. There you go. All-time Top 100. Wow. So there you go, Q. When the Latin music crosses over, it... it uh, crosses over in a big way. It always hits the top, top ten, at least. All right. Let's move right along here, dude. Yeah, so we had plans to play one of our favorite Gloria Estefan songs, One, Two, Three. For some reason, when I was doing research, I thought that it was fair game, that it wasn't a single. Turns out it is. So we had to, on the fly, just pick something else to play from the album Let It Loose. And we're going to play this, the the title track. So let's do it. Yes. So, um, yeah. The song is another one that we haven't heard up until, you know, the last 24 hours. So it's good to hear new new Gloria tracks aside from the ones that we remember from our childhood. So, all right. Well, hey, before we play the next song, let's take a quick break. Here we go. This is going to be my fr my fresh reaction cue because I haven't heard this all the way through. I'm excited, man. It's, it's another fun one. All right. So this is called Let It Loose. Oh, 
hopping and square. I was letting it loose over here, man. Yeah, I mean, it just has so many like hallmarks of of eighties. <laughs> yeah, know? yeah, you're right, uh, dude. Last week, you and I were were making that guitar face. I was making that saxophone face listening to that solo, dude. Yeah. Whew. You know what it reminded me of? You know that song Electric Avenue? Yes. Didn't it have that same kind of vibe? Straight That's what I'm talking up, about. Like, yeah. It's almost like they, yeah, they knew exactly what they were doing. You know what I mean? Yeah. They're like, hey, this is our, you know, so for Mammy Sound Machine, this was their 10th studio record, which is crazy. 10th. Yeah. But this was only their third record that was kind of aimed at the American audience. And it's worth noting, we didn't say this earlier, but this is when like her name became front and center, right? Right. It was Gloria Estefan and Miami Sound Machine. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, they were they were like, let's just let's just go with what what's gonna sell here, you know. Yeah, and I think what's probably frustrating for for the members of this band, at least I mean, it, dude, if you look at the past members list on Wikipedia, it's, mm-hmm. there's like forty names. But yeah. it's got to be frustrating that over time, most people just think of them as Gloria Estefan's backing band. You know, even yeah, even when they think of Bad Boy or Conga, right? Uh, you know, where the rhythm is going to get you, they think of those as just Gloria Estefan songs. But no, they that was that was Miami Sound Machine. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure there's a lot of people, a lot of musicians that that have to, you know kind of deal with that where yeah. they're just the, the the instruments in the background with the pop star in the front. Yeah, and, I guess with, with any band like that where, you know, the lead singer is, is the name of the group, unless it's just a group of, of musicians that tour with that person, you know, if they're, if they're yeah part of the songwriting and if they're on, like, in the recording studio on the record and all that. Yeah. It's probably is super frustrating when, when they don't get credited. But yeah, dude, um, it is interesting to, to hear this music and think about how it shaped the young minds of myself and, and you, not that anybody listening cares, but well, it's interesting to think about those kind of things because yeah, obviously you are shaped by your, by the environment that you grew up in the pop culture that you were exposed to and so when you throw this into the mix it all makes so much sense q you could draw a line back to gloria and and it makes sense that i would be into mr twin sister you know i wish i had more artists off the top of my head but it's all just part of the part of the what is it called the melting pot yeah i mean i i've got a couple that that come to mind dude what was the name of that band that you showed me a couple weeks back? It's it it made its way onto our 2020 favorites list, our brainstorm mm. list, which we're peeking behind the curtain. But... Oh, uh, Tops. Oh yeah, stuff like Definitely. that. Well, uh, and and Tops was like to me was very much like uh, Mr. Twin's sister. Yeah, very similar. But yeah, uh, the I'm influence. a big fan of yeah. I'm, I'm a big fan of um, of female fronted yes pop disco kind of groups there you go that's probably what it is you and i both have have always have always liked female uh vocalists and that probably does tie back to hearing Sade absolutely and Gloria Estefan when we were growing up we have dad to thank for that man and you know singers like singers like the Wilson the Wilson sisters or whatever the from heart right i'm oh, trying yeah. to think of other bands Fleetwood Mac but I'm just saying, like, these are fronted, female-fronted pop stars, right? Yeah. But yeah, yeah anyway. Um, yeah, dude. Uh, good stuff. Uh, one, two, three, for whatever reason, to me, still is the most nostalgia-inducing, one of the most nostalgia-inducing songs for whatever reason. Let's I don't play know some why. of it, man. Let's break, let's break the rule. Let's break the rule, dude. Let's just hear the intro. Because yeah. that intro fucking... Just it takes me right back, dude. Oh yeah, man. Let's do it. They tell me you're shy boy, but I want you just to say 
such a great song. A great song. Memories. And, uh, dude, I never took these lyrics to heart. I should have. They tell me you're a shy boy. Yeah, that's that's accurate, dude. I was a super shy kid. <laughs> She's saying, if you need some coaxing, I will do it. There's nothing to it. Step by step, there's nothing to it. Nothing to it, dude. I, Follow I my lead. I yeah, exactly. Take my hand. And, you know, I never come out. Look, look at the, the next, the next verse. Come out of your shell, dude. <sighs> I mean, she's singing to us little, little twin boys. We were so shy back then, man. Yeah, if I could go back in time, I would do like a Billy Madison style, like take my little kid face and just fucking shake it. You know? <laughs> Like that scene in Billy Madison where he's like, you gotta cherish it, dude. Out of your shell. Listen to Gloria. Yeah. Yeah. She was telling you that there's nothing to it. There's nothing to it, man. So that's that, dude. Short and sweet on this one. Yeah. So I don't know why, but this song just makes me think of, hopefully people can connect with this uh, imagery here, but like, it makes me remember playing uh, Sega Genesis in our den is what we called it. Yeah. It was the TV room basically. But I would sit on the edge of the coffee table so that I could be close to the, I don't know, maybe the cord didn't stretch to the couch or something like that. And I would play uh, Sonic the Hedgehog. Our parents didn't care one bit that we were sitting on the table. <laughs> nah, dude. The, our, the house that we grew up in, we were we not- were super um, chill, man. Precious with stuff super like that. Super chill like it, it, parents. Yeah. But it was Sonic the Hedgehog 2. Yep, I remember that. <laughs> I don't know why. But the funny thing is, and we've talked about this before, like with our Com Trues episode that we did, talking about like, uh, you know, hypnagogic pop. There and, it is, man. Again. Yep. Yeah, of course I had to bring it's it up. It's one of our favorite uh, genres. Hypnagogic pop and synth wave and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. It ties directly back to the 80s. Video game music back then uh, sort of nodded to that kind of stuff in a lot of ways sometimes. Well, they had no uh, choice with, you know, the whatever they could fit on the on the yeah. disc itself it had to be you know 8 bit or whatever 32 yeah. bit whatever music but when you listen to some of the music on Sonic the Hedgehog 2 it's kind of sounds like 80s pop dude that's such a electronic great electronic stuff soundtrack yes it is dude uh that's going to tie directly into my um my what you heard which is a good segue yeah so is it safe to say, Q, that we have one more episode left in our in our Dad Tune marathon? I think so, yeah. So next week we are going to talk about Seal. That's how you wrap it up right there, dude. This is another one of those artists that I like I can't even explain how excited I am yeah. to play some SEAL tunes on here. Yeah. And we're gonna talk about his second self titled record, I guess. Oh, I guess so, yeah. And we're going to have our older brother, Spencer, on to chat it up with us. As well as our dad, right? Perhaps? Maybe, if we can make it we'll work. See. Yeah, yeah, we'll see. But yeah, dude, you want to talk about a... Nostalgia, dude. Yeah. Holy and monkeys. And this record is amazing. Yeah. It's crazy how good this so record is. So we're talking about the, the, the guy that sings Kiss by a Rose. You know, if you don't know who Seal yeah. is. Kiss from a Rose. Oh, my bad. Um, but yeah, if you, if you are familiar with the Batman Returns soundtrack or maybe it was Batman Forever, which one was it? Was it the George Clooney one <laughs> or the, I think it was the George the Clooney Kilmer one. one. <laughs> Let's figure it out right here and right fucking now. Yeah. Batman Forever. So this was, this was the Val Kilmer. Uh, and I think this was when, when you got introduced to Robin for the first time. Yeah. But uh, yeah, Kiss from a Rose was featured on the soundtrack, and it may perhaps was part of the movie. Uh, anyway, so if you've heard that song, then you know who Seal is. Other than that, like, there's just so many cool parts to this album, and the and the tracks that we're gonna play are actually some of the best on the record, and they're not even singles. So yeah, yeah, dude, I'm, I'm so thankful so, and grateful to Dad. Yes, for playing. So much seal for us when we were kids. Yeah. That you want to talk about shaping, you know, our love for music and, and yeah and the kind of music that we listen to. Seal is another artist that had probably had a, a big part in that. Yes, definitely. So um yeah, and if if I can somehow manage to do it, I'm going to find figure out a way. There there is video evidence of, of my love for seal at a young age, uh, from a, a home video, which I think I have on DVD. 
and I will put that up on the website. I think I'm in that clip too, dude. I think I'm hanging. I think I'm hanging up in the top bunk, and you're standing on the bottom bunk, lip singing along to to kiss from a rose. Yeah, and and like bouncing up and down on the bed with excitement. Yeah, and our dad's behind the camera, like giggling. <laughs> yeah, giggling or like saying to himself, like, "What have I done?" <laughs> What am I, what have I, uh, dude? I can produced? see it in my head now, and it's me too. Wonderful, dude. And I'm pretty sure, dude, you want to talk about an Easter egg? I'm pretty sure there's a Sonic the Hedgehog 2 poster on the wall. Yeah, dude. Or a, I know for a fact there was an Aladdin poster. Anyway, it's chock full of 90s nostalgia. If you, if you're close, anywhere close to our age, uh, all of these words that I'm saying out loud. Uh, hopefully it means something to you as well, like Aladdin, Sonic, et cetera, et cetera. All right, yep. Q. So let's just move right along here into our What You Heard segment. And do you want to go first or do you want to go last? I'll go last. I'll let you go first. All right. So as should be pretty pretty well known to people who listen to this show on the regular, I am a massive fan of video game music. And soundtracks. And we've also used the word vaporwave pretty recently. Let's not forget hypnagogic pop. Hypnagogic pop, it all it, it, it is all related, right? So hypnagogic pop, as we've mentioned dozens of times, is like you know, it is not just it doesn't have to do only with music, but like hypnagogic is like invoking you know, nostalgia, right? Nostalgia invoking music or whatever. So bands like, or artists like Tycho, Comtrues, a dozen other bands, they sort of get looped. Uh, they, they fall under that category because their sound uses instruments from the era sometimes. And yeah. it just sounds like, it sounds like a video game score that from a game you never played before because it doesn't exist it just evokes that stuff for people that are around our age it sounds yeah. like nostalgia yeah if you could if, if nostalgia had a sound yeah. that's what it is yep it's hard to explain but that's basically it so this guy he goes by the name equip as in you equipped a sword right something that you might Got it. Got it. <laughs> read on an old, on like an old video game or something like that. Sure, sure. So, um, back in 2016, he came out with a record called "I Dreamed of a Palace in the Sky." Dude, I really like the album cover. Yeah. Basically, this record and the one that came out after it, which is called "Synthetic Core 88," they're they're paying homage to old Japanese RPGs. Cool. So, you know, a Japanese RPG, what are some of the best ones that you may know of, right? The ones that come to mind are obviously the Final Fantasy stuff. Chrono Trigger, right? Those are some of like the old ones that, that people usually think of. But um, I confess I haven't really played a lot of Japanese RPGs, uh, if any. Yeah, me neither. But it's 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 still it sounds like those older video game scores at least that's what you're going to think of when you hear the music but obviously it's not a soundtrack to a video game right it's kind of like that uh disaster piece song exactly yeah exactly and like the record synthetic core 88 it actually says on the album cover original soundtrack but it there's no game tied to it so like <laughs> yeah it's just funny uh anyway so we're going to play a song off of the record i dreamed of a palace in the sky and this song is called druids encounter
Love it, man. It's like uh, it's like the that kind of music that you heard back then, but like with more depth. You know, it's like yeah, more full. It's almost like going from like two D to three D. You know, it's like sure. It's like what yeah. this music could have been if if it was if they were able to have this much like low end you know bass and 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 yeah depth is the only word i can think of like no yeah it's just it it's like hi-fi i guess yeah yeah um great yeah the whole record is a you know what you call a concept album so everything every track plays from under another it's kind of telling a story if you look at the you know like some of the track names kind of read off as like levels or something like that right you know like uh, dungeon there's a track called dungeon there's a track called moonlit chamber outside the gates it seems like the the part of the 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 song titles that are in parentheses are almost like yeah that the level that you're at in the game yeah well the first the first song on the record is called startup new game yeah nine seconds so that's what you're gonna push when you start the game right cool uh But yeah, let me just read this real quick in case you need more enticing. Step forth, young adventurer, and boot up the most realistic operating system ever developed, the human brain. Pixels per inch beyond the limits of perception. Three-dimensional oral immersion. Dreaming yet? Put on your headphones and immerse yourself in the brand new world of Equip. There you go, dude. So, um... Yeah, if you're a fan of music like that, uh, I like to say like it's the perfect music to code to or work to. Uh, but yeah, it's just I love it, man. And if you're in our age group, I think you you will connect to it on a another level, right? All right, so Q, what do you have for us this week? All right, man. So this is an artist that I just found out about yesterday. Uh, he is a rapper producer. He goes by R.A.P. Ferreira. He also just says Rap Ferreira. Um, it goes by both. His name is Rory Allen Phillip. So, Rap Ferreira. Okay. Uh, he used to go by Milo before that. Uh, and he just released an album under the new name, Rap Ferreira, back in early March of this year. So, it's a fairly new album. Uh, it's... Really, really great album. What's cool about it? So, so the name of the record is Purple Moonlight Pages, and it says um, "Rhythm and Poetry" by R. A. P. Ferreira and the Jefferson Park Boys. So, the Jefferson Park Boys. How many R. A. P. is "Rhythm and Poetry"? Whoa, dude! Nice catch. Hey man, I like to pay attention. Holy monkeys, bro! Uh, so the Jefferson Park Boys helped; uh, they co-produced. So my guess is they had a lot to do with the beats. What's great about this album is it is maybe two thirds of it is like spoken word kind of poetry. Anyways, dude, it's really, really unique. Uh, really great uh, lyrics. Uh, some of the songs are more lighthearted. Some of them dig, you know, dig pretty deep. Really great stuff. So I'm going to play, there's just like a couple songs that I really want to play. But uh, my favorite one, I think by far, I've played it like two or three times today, is a song, it's about halfway through the record. This song is called No Starving Artists. Built yourself back, shoulder chip by shoulder chip Only to find the method used erroneous Why you always transmitting from a place of desperation? Why those low frequencies be your final destination, huh? While that dealer swing, coaxed the bellowing from the center solar plexus. Noble savage, ghost ride the Lexus. Parallel universe, we was bumping letters to Alexis. Never have I ever been impressed with how they compromise the message for the spectacle and presence of the bespectacle heckler. I widen the vector, you clowns trying to be victor. I pivot to miss her, curvature to swerve became permanent fixture. Like old timey sayings in Jaime's basement with the whiny faces. These hidden forces propelling the door swing, arpeggiated with poems, rode into the sunset on the arc of bones, cultural mothership turned sacred utterance, dalliance, an army of one green stallion, we're growing scallions, yeah. 
find the method used erroneous Why you always transmit from a place of desperation Why those low frequencies be your final destination, huh? No starving artist, just artists starving to know No starving artist, just artists starving to know No starving artist, just artists starving to know Just artists starving to know It's no starving artist, nah yeah, that's great, man. Dude, uh, uh, the whole album is, is fantastic. Uh, and I thought this was his first album because this is the first time he, he went by R.I.P. Ferreira. And then, yeah, I just found out today that he used to go by Milo. So I was pleasantly surprised to find that he has six more full-length albums under... He actually has gone by several different names, but I'm really excited to dive deeper into to what he does. He's He's fantastic, man. Yeah, just the the baseline yeah. alone. And like, is that a, uh, you know, is that a sample from something? Uh, I always knows, wonder dude. that. Yeah. But that's, so shout out to the Jefferson Park boys because they, they co-produced it with them. You know, I'm sure okay. they had a, a yeah. lot to do with those baselines and beats. Good stuff, dude. Yeah. I love, I love, uh, you know, we talked about this on our Tribe, Tribe Called Quest episode, just the, the jazz, the jazz that, 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 that goes with, rap with hip-hop you know I mean? yeah like, totally. and hip-hop and stuff like that uh i love it dude i'm gonna play it i just want to play a little bit of another song from it just okay. uh, like another side of the coin on this record this this song just makes me so happy you'll you'll see why uh okay. so this song is called laundry yeah so great dude yeah how many bottles of gain will i gain in this game <laughs> just the best line i just love the the thought of him doing laundry in the kitchen and his son's hanging out with him you know and he's humming a tune this song probably just yeah. came from that dude he probably came just, from that, just yeah. yeah just humming in the kitchen my son listening yeah i mean if you're if you're a uh a lyricist like that you have to be you know, writing songs in your head all day long, you know? Yeah. I like that line when he's like, I wonder if Chance the Rapper does his own laundry. Ah, who cares? <laughs> yeah. No, you're right. It's definitely like a train of thought. Yeah. Kind of kind of lyrics, you know, which is cool. Yeah. Good stuff. But yeah, and I like the music in the background just is perfectly matched. Yeah, and he, it, he samples a couple um, like old hip hop tunes in there. Like there's one that says like i'm hot like clothes from the dryer i don't know who that artist is but that's that's um oh yeah yeah it's cool he throws in a couple samples from uh old hip-hop artists that are singing about doing laundry <laughs> there you go yeah so again that album is called purple moonlight pages rhythm and poetry by rap ferrera well all right man that's gonna do it for this week next week it's gonna be like you said man this is this is going to be one hell of an episode. Oh, yeah, man. How can it not be? And, you know, we're going to have our brother back on, our older brother. He hasn't been on for a long time. He was on one of the early, early episodes. He was on our Foo Fighters episode way back and when this was just a, a young, we didn't know what the hell we were doing podcast, you know? <laughs> yeah, man. 
Yeah. Do we know any more now? Probably not. <laughs> but anyway, um, yeah, so that'll be next week. We're going to talk about SEAL. Hopefully, to, to a large portion of the audience, you'll, you'll be hearing some of this stuff for the very first time. I hope that's the case. Uh, yeah, I really hope so, too. Um, because to my knowledge, I've never talked about SEAL with anybody and had had uh, had you know stumbled upon anybody that, that is familiar with, with the guy. Um, but anyway. No, yeah, it's one of those things where you have to, to be like, you know, the song Kiss from a Rose? And they're like, oh. Yeah, you know the bat, the song on Batman? Yeah. Yeah, that one. Oh, that guy. Yeah, the bad the bad one. The one with Jim Carrey. Yeah. <laughs> um, which was funny because we loved Jim Carrey when we were kids. So that was like oh, the we were perfect. all about him. The perfect movie. Yeah, man. Um, now, was that the one that also featured Schwarzenegger? No. That no. was, what's his name? That was uh, Tommy Lee Tommy Jones. Tommy Lee Jones as Two-Face. As Two-Face. What a goofy, when you I, I want to say Drew now, Barrymore was in it. I think she was like Poison Ivy or some shit. Nope. Nicole Kidman. I'm looking at the poster, movie poster. Oh, it, it Drew was Barrymore's Kidman. on one of them. Drew Barrymore? I don't think so. Yeah, dude. Is she? I swear, man. Yeah, dude. She's She is in that one. Uh, no, she's not. Yeah, man. Oh, maybe she wasn't on the cover. Yeah, you're probably right. I think she was, she was like some... Yeah, she was. She was. She was just hanging out with with uh, either Two Face. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. What a what a what a what a goofy ass movie. I wonder if she's uh, canonical or whatever. You know what I mean? I wonder if she's in the if that character is in the DC world. Her name was Sugar. Okay. Two Face's good blonde oh, assistant. Right. So he had a he had a good and a bad assistant. Of course, Two Face man. So her name was Sugar. The bad assistant was called Spice. Oh, God. I mean, you can't. It writes itself. The, the thing about the okay, you know what? Let's let's talk about Batman Forever with Spencer next week because I'm sure we're going to get into it. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. We'll talk about it with uh, with our Seal episode since he was featured on the soundtrack. So there you go. Perfect. 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 Everything is perfect. So that's that. You can find us on our website, nullfillerpodcast.com where you can find all of our previous episodes and show notes for each episode. And uh, you can also find us on the Pantheon Podcast Network. It is a podcast network of like-minded content similar to ours. It's all music-related, so there's plenty of great shows. And that's that. So we're going to fade out with... Uh, so we reached out to our dad today, uh, which we should have brought, brought this up earlier, but I asked him, like, because I, I really I needed to know. How did you stumble upon Gloria Estefan? You know, the answer is never as interesting as I want it to be. No, it isn't. When we ask him these questions. But he's, he told us that that he was always a fan of her ballad tunes. And it was only the songs that he heard on the radio. Which you would think he would hear the dancey numbers on the radio. He heard those too, man, you know? But he didn't like those ones. So yeah, he wasn't he wasn't into the the dance beats. He was more into like the slow jams, and uh, he mentions the song "Can't Stay Away from You" from Gloria, which was a single on Let It Loose. And we're gonna fade us out with that song. So this one's for you, Dad. And uh, yeah, that's gonna do it for us today. Thank you as always for listening. We will shout at you next week. My name's Quentin. My name is Travis. Y'all take care.
It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. 